Sims, you're now tuned in to another opinionated episode of the Second Opinion Podcast, covering every topic in the world of gaming that we can think of. Gaming is our passion, and podcasting is our profession. Celeb and Bolts podcasting since 2011. The Second Opinion Podcast starts now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Second Opinion Podcast, episode number 340. It is your boy, Celeb, back again. This is going to be a quick hit kind of solo cast. Um, and then uh, in the next few days, we'll have another episode with me and Bolts uh, and kind of more doing a deep dive on some of the biggest uh news and a few other things i got some special stuff set up uh for him and me to have kind of get back to the roots of the second opinion podcast get back into debating uh instead of just agreeing on everything because most of the topics we've talked about recently over the last few months and stuff like that have been more kind of based around like um news that we've always uh kind of agreed upon and, and shared same opinions and stuff like that but I think me and Bolts um, on this next episode are definitely going to have some stuff to kind of go over and talk about and have some disagreements. So uh, my ideology on things have somewhat changed in just the last few months. Um, well, I'd probably say in the last month and a half uh, with the time that I had off from work. Um, and I've got to say, I am more... I'm I'm kind of slowly but surely moving into um, liking PC gaming more than I am console gaming. Uh, but also, when it comes to console gaming, I feel like I'm starting to lean back into liking my PS5 more than I am my Xbox. And um, I'll somewhat talk about that on this episode, and then me and Bolts will kind of get into it a little bit more. But with that being said, um, you know, as we usually do every episode, uh, we talk about uh, what have we been drinking and what have we been gaming. Um, and I do plan on getting back into uh, doing more beer reviews as well. So um, I have really, really, really kind of got into that over the last few, few. Uh, I'd probably say the last few weeks, trying to. Um, trying to get back into trying new craft beers and all this other stuff. But, uh, the other day I had, um, uh, just a regular, <laughs> I had a regular Bud Light and it just didn't do anything for me. It tasted like water. And I was like, man, where did I go wrong? And I know where I went wrong. I stopped drinking the good craft beers that I used to be into, um, like stone brewery and all this stuff. So I'm really going to try to start getting back into that and sharing my opinions on some of these new beers and stuff that I'm going to try to start trying. So anyways, gaming wise, um, I've been doing a wide variety of gaming over the last, um, couple of weeks, uh, without, um, an episode of the podcast. Uh, and, when I say wide variety, I I mean kind of jumping back and forth be between a bunch of different you know classics and you know titles that that I've always thoroughly enjoyed, but also getting into um, some games that I would say that I'm not particularly uh, usually 
would would play. Um, and now this demo has been out for some time, uh, but I sat down and played. Um, I sat down and played Massive Monsters uh, Cult of the Lamb demo, uh, which the demo came out um, a little bit a little while back. Uh, but I've, I never got a chance to check it out, but it is, uh, it's really, really a great game, uh, really fun. And it's, uh, it's hard to kind of explain what the game is. It's more, I feel like it's a strategy game, but I also feel like it, it has like, it's like a mixture of a strategy action RPG style game. Um, now in the description, it says cult of the lamb. Cast players in the role of, of a possessed lamb saved by a save from annihilation by an uh, um, by a stranger and must repay their debt by building a loyal following in his name. Start your own cult in a land of false prophets, venturing out into the uh, into diverse and mysterious regions to build a loyal community of uh, woodland followers and spread the word to become the one true cult. Um, which is literally exactly kind of what this name is about, uh, or game is about. And, uh, and the name is just lines up perfect with it. It is, you know, cult of the lamb because you literally build your own cult. Um, but the gameplay is really, really fun and really fast paced. And it's this really cool art style. So it's got a lot of cartoon style violence in it, but you should definitely check it out, and um, I I have uh, I have been fairly surprised by this game. Now the full release of this game comes out um, August 11th, and it is being uh, it is being published by Devolver Digital, which you know would be is is of course the the perfect publisher to put a game like this out. Um, but I have uh, I've gone back through and I've played that demo a good little chunk of times. I've really enjoyed my time with it, and uh, I can't wait to get into more of the story and stuff when it officially comes out. Um, but I also, for some reason, uh, decided to go back and play uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag. So I didn't even realize that I had this game on my Ubisoft Connect account. I don't know if something happened recently, or maybe... Uh, it was something to do with like a, you know, prime day thing or something. I really honestly don't know. I just know that <laughs> I just know that I went in and was updating my password on my Ubisoft launcher. And, uh, I, I went on there and noticed that, you know, there was a few games here and there, but the first game that popped up was Assassin's Creed Black Flag. And I haven't played Black Flag in I don't know how long, but I finally I was like, dude, I I gotta get into this. You know, I gotta really get back into it, especially with um, with Skull and Bones uh, finally uh, coming out later this year. Uh, Black Flag I feel was one of those games that really kind of, in my opinion, led to the conception of Skull and Bones uh, because the <laughs> dude the uh, ship battles and all this stuff that you have in, in this game, it it very much feels like what we played at E3 2018. 
there was a lot of aspects whenever we played that gameplay demo. I remember looking at Matt and was telling him, dude, it feels like a really refined, even better looking version of Black Flag, which is a great thing. But, um, you know, I am very excited for Skull and Bones. I'm super, super excited. You know, Skull and Bones is um, officially coming out. In just the next few months, um, well, I say the next few months, it is officially coming out this holiday season, uh, and you know, there's not really a, a ton of details on if we're going to get a, you know a collector's edition or anything like that. But it is coming out in November. They showed off, you know, a new cinematic trailer, new gameplay, and all this stuff, um, and it just looks really, really fun. If you haven't had a chance to particularly sit down and check this out definitely head over to centerleaks.com and check out the the stuff that was released on the 7th with more information about this game the cinematic trailer and of course the gameplay overview trailer so um but it looks really fun it looks really really fun so if you're big on sea of thieves and whatever and you did want to move into something that somewhat has a little bit more of a realistic pirate feel to it, I would definitely suggest to check this game out because from what I played uh, back in the day at E3, it's not something that you should ever you know frown upon or turn, turn away from. It is going to be, I think, one of the better Ubisoft titles in a while. With that being said, though, <clears throat> I've just been playing a lot of stuff. I've been playing, you know, Assassin's Creed. I've been playing all this other stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm just relaxing and chilling and playing video games um, and uh, loving life. So uh, with that said, uh, definitely make sure to do me a favor and head over to CineLeaks.com to see some of our latest and greatest geek news and gaming news. And also, please make sure to do me a favor and head over to the um, YouTube page, which is youtube.com forward slash second opinion podcast you will find um a lot of different content i'm going to try and start making it um to where i upload mainly on mondays wednesdays and fridays uh and if not that it will be tuesdays thursdays and saturdays so trying to get a schedule down pat toward the certain days that i upload actual gameplay sessions and then those other days, if new trailers come up or whatever else, I'll get the new trailers up on the YouTube page as well. Um, and just get the YouTube page back and active again. So we got a good show. We got some good stuff to talk about. Um, first up, Aliens single player horror action game is in the works for consoles, PC, and VR. So this isn't the the aliens game that has already been announced which is called aliens dark descent this uh aliens dark descent is a single player squad based action game uh that is coming from focus interactive and i think uh what is this tendalos interactive of and, and focus entertainment so um you know and and they announced that a while back um a couple of months ago this is a new, I guess, you know, single player action horror title, I guess to kind of give you the Aliens Isolations feel or something like that, but it is coming to uh, consoles, PC, and VR. The game is being built 
uh, using Unreal Engine 5, and it says the game will feature an original storyline set between aliens, uh, Alien and Aliens film and feature a battle-hardened veteran features a battle-hardened veteran with a vendetta against the Xenomorphs. So, this is exciting because I have always felt that the Aliens uh, universe is, is, is awesome. Uh, I've really, really liked uh, a lot of Aliens Fire Squad. I thought that was a, was a fun game. Um, now, I can't say that it was the best game. Um... Over time, there's more content that's coming to the game, so it is going to be exciting um, to really see what the game is going to build into. But one thing that I've really wanted for a while is, you know, more uh, more Aliens games that are set in that horror perspective. So Aliens Isolation is just was just one of those games that it really kind of push things back into to perspective of what you should really feel aliens is all about. And that's not just going in and destroying them. You know, the colonial Marine aspect or whatever is always cool. Whenever you go in and you just, you know, uh, kill them all and burn them and all that stuff. But you got to think you're going against a xenomorph, a highly intelligent alien life form, uh, that most of these xenomorphs were born, with a mixture of the alien DNA and human DNA. So they are very intelligent. Um, but this game is supposed to be set in that perspective of like a first-person horror aspect like we've had previously with Aliens Isolation. Um, this game is in development uh, with multi-platform studio and publisher uh, service. Uh, or Sivirus. Uh, little known, uh, little is known about the single-player action horror title, but San Diego Comic-Con 2022 uh, will be showcasing more information on this game on or around July 21st. There is a panel that will be happening uh, at 2 p.m. on J uh, July 21st, uh, and it's called Alien, Expanding a Dark and Frightening Universe. So this panel will feature... Um, a lot of people that have done things in the Aliens universe, whenever it comes down to, when it comes down to, uh, video games, when it comes down to, uh, board games, uh, when it comes down to books, the book series. Um, so it is exciting. So, um, I know that TQ Jefferson, uh, the chief product, uh, production officer, of this uh, development studio will be there to talk about the game and I'm sure hopefully show off you know the first trailer and give some more information of what we are to expect from this game but it is very exciting that Aliens is getting back to that horror kind of roots uh, especially with the first person perspective Aliens Isolation was just a great game especially the feature that they had in this game to where you could turn on your mic um, or turn on your audio equipment that you had and like if you breathed or if you talked or whatever with with your mic on then the alien would hear you and know your exact location in the game which was just so so cool it was so great but uh, with that said it is very exciting news and I think that there is a very big possibility that this could be the aliens game that we've wanted for a while so um, now moving on to something that I have wanted for a while but after recent 
after recent news, I'm going to be very tempered about this game. So, Skate will be a live service, free-to-play game. So, I don't know how I feel about that. We got more details on Skate uh, recently, um, and these details were in the boardroom video by EA and Full Circle. Um, it says, some of the key takeaways include the game's official licensing as Skate, which makes sense uh, given we are learning developer. Uh, we learned that developers are making the game free to play and live service. Um, it says right here um, they did somewhat of a kind of, I guess, an interview. Head of production, uh, uh, Marquad, Mr. Marquad, Isabel, or Mr. Miss Marquad. I, I don't know. I just, I'm just seeing a name. So don't take it the wrong way. But it says right here, I want it to be very clear that it's not a pay-to-win game. There is not any gameplay areas hidden exclusively behind paywalls. Players won't be able to buy any gameplay-altering advantages. Uh, it is, it's an authentic uh, evolution of the franchise and takes what Skate 3 was in 2010 and brings it to the here and now. Uh, it says also right here... That it's not only the evolution of the franchise, but it's it's an evolution of where skateboarding is from what it was in 2010 to now, and also where games are from then to now. <sighs> I don't know, man. But it does say right here, um, uh, the board uh, discussed... Um, the board discussed uh, which will, uh, I guess, call, call a... Bosnos, which will be areas built by players uh, together that will or can appear in other people's worlds in real time. It says you don't know uh, when you jump into the city what will be built, what was built, or what is going on. You'll jump in and it's like, oh shit. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. What is that? Like a human uh, Plinko wall. Um, which I think is cool. I mean, I think that's a really great aspect. Let's say that. So I think the, 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 where they're trying to take the game is really cool. So everything right now is in like early, early, early alpha. Um, and they have been doing close, really closed alpha tests, uh, to where, you know, some of the, you know, some of these people have been able to come in and play the game and then talk with the developers and all this stuff and you know give their feedback about it and whatever and really help the development team build skate into the best thing that they can but i still have my uh reservations about the game the fact that it is going to be free to play and it's going to be a live service game or whatever else is bothersome to me because when we move into free to play live service titles uh, there's always a possibility that these games could be easily shut down and us not be able to enjoy, enjoy them from that point on. Now, the good thing is we haven't seen this with a lot of recent online games and stuff. But, you know, back in the day, there was a good chunk of, you know, live service games that have been shut down previously. Um, one thing in our favor, though, is the massive success that we have seen from Respawn's Apex Legends, uh, which is... Um, published by Electronic Arts, uh, but you know, Full Circle 
um, Studios, which is the ones uh, that are behind the studio. They are a new, um, I guess, newer studio. Uh, I've, I don't know if I've really heard of anything that Full Circle has done previously, but I'm almost certain that they haven't done a lot. So now they do have, um, they do have, you know, experienced like experienced developers that are working on skate. They have um, some of the previous development team, I think, working on skate as well. But like I said, it is worrisome um, because sometimes with the previous skate titles, I really just liked jumping in and just playing skate. So I don't know if with this game being a free-to-play live service title, if you have to be constantly connected online. Do you have to do this? Is there going to be an offline mode? Um, you know, probably not. I mean, I would be shocked if a you know a free to play live service game like this, you know, would have any type of offline mode. That was one of the good things about some of the previous skates is that you didn't have to be online for everything. So I don't know, man. It, it's it's exciting to see that skate is back. It's exciting to see um, that they are trying something new with the game and trying to, um, you know, ramp it up into something that we we haven't seen before, which is great. But at the same time, man, I'm just, you know, I, I really like live service games. I mean, we have seen massive success with some of these. And, you know, that's just like I was talking about earlier with Fortnite. I mean, Fortnite is the largest uh, or one of the largest live service titles out there that is consistently played over and over and over again. But Epic Games has that thing down to a science. You know what I'm saying? Like, the game is, you know, they don't always do the best updates. There's always community, you know, things to where they complain about this or that. That happens with live service games. But in the, in the same perspective, we should still always... I don't want the EA perspective to go across the entirety of, you know, the games industry. Recently, EA did a tweet that was just <laughs> horrible. And whoever did the tweet, just, I don't know. Um, but uh, it was um, it was about single-player games. Uh, and it was, I mean, it had huge backlash, of course. Electronic Arts, it was June 30th. It said, uh, they're a 10, but they only play single-player games. And, I mean, people just jumped on it. Like, uh, a lot of these development studios um, jumped on it as well. Anna Puria Interactive. Uh <laughs> Replied back to EA and said, should have kept this in the drafts. Uh, <coughs> um, some of these other people as well, uh, like, you know, one of my favorite content creators, Dunky, um, replied back to him. He's like, how are your tweets worse than your games? <laughs> how are your tweets worse than your games? And I mean, for real, like, it's, it was, it was shocking to me when I saw them post this i was just like dude you gotta be kidding me bro like w it has been pushed constantly year after year after year after year that people 
do like live service games, but there has been a really big demand for single player action adventure titles or single player games or even, you know, local co-op games or whatever. It's really been a big push over the last few years. Um, and I just, I just can't like, I can't wrap my, my mind around electronic arts and some of these other studios, uh, mainly electronic arts that has, has always tried to push themselves away from single player games when single player games is what made electronics arts successful in, in the late night, like extremely successful in the late nineties, early two thousands. There was one tweet right here too. Somebody said before the internet, uh, all we had was single player games. We had fun and still do on single player games. Could be worse. I could spend money on your recycled bullshit, half finished games. And they put this, uh, they put this gif in there of uh, FIFA to where their legs were all bent upwards. But I mean, I, I, I mean, I totally agree. It's like, it, it's nuts to me. I really, um, I really don't understand this this big push when it comes down to live service titles. And that's why I am really on the fence with this. I don't I don't understand why everyone is so all about live service games. Some of the live service games out there are great, dude. Like, you know, Fortnite, Call of Duty, Apex Legends, um, some of these other, you know, PC live service games, you know, Warcraft, uh, you know, whatever, whatever live service game you play. That's great. I'm glad that, that everyone really loves it, but single player games are where it's at, dude. Like no question about it. Uh, I will always choose single player game over a live service game. Um, no fans or butts, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's always really cool to see. Fortnite do some of these events that they do and you know Call of Duty have some great aspects of multiplayer and Warzone and and whatever you know uh or even playing live co-op uh with, with friends online but if I had to choose and one had to go away forever I would always choose single player games over um over live service games every single time uh so I don't know man that's just my perspective on it. And the tweet really kind of left a bad taste in my mouth because I go back and I instantly think about some of these um, uh, EA studios and, um, you know, EA games and stuff like that that could have been. <laughs> and it, it's, it's just nuts to me that... There, especially with EA, there's been so many, um, so many studios that they've shut down. Um, you know, now mind you, some of them are understandable because they haven't really done like real big games in, in the longest time, but like Pandemic Studios, okay, Pandemic Studios was owned by EA, they were the main ones behind the Star Wars Battlefront series for the longest time, and um, they were shut down in 2009 and laid off 200 plus employees. Uh, Visceral Games, which you know was from Dead Space, says Visceral was working on a pretty hype Star Wars game when EA shut them down in 2017. Reports later indicated that the project was 
uh, rift with issues. Uh, it was a tough pill to swallow, but you can understand why EA pulled the plug. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, well, uh, the reason why this is or the reason why is that uh, there was, you know, the game had problems. It's visceral games, visceral games, which is by far one of the largest, largest studios and most successful studios that was ever under the EA banner. And I mean, look at them now, you know, I mean, look at what's going on now with, with, you know, with Dead Space. They're bringing it back as a single player remake because all these fans and stuff have been chomping at the bit for a new dead space. And they're like, Oh, well let's just redo something that Glenn Schofield did and his team, you know, but now Glenn Schofield is, you know, doing things successful, doing things the way he wants to with striking distant studios. And, um, the Callisto protocol comes out December 2nd. And yes, it, it has some of those same exact tendencies of dead space, but, from some of the things that I've heard and recently uh, Game Informer sat down with Glenn Schofield and talked to him in one of their rapid fire sessions. And, you know, he, you think about this, Glenn Schofield con conceptualized and built Dead Space up with his team from the ground up, very excited about it. And he actually said that he would prefer, uh, he would prefer Callisto Protocol over Dead Space in the perspective of horror and the perspective of like what he, what I guess what he's envisioning with this game. And the only thing I could think now is that, you know, Mr. Schofield and his whole team are making Callisto Protocol into the game that they really wanted to make Dead Space into. So you could tell Dead Space 1, it was really all about like that perspective and mindset that, that they wanted. But me particularly, I really, Dead Space 2 was great, but I really lost touch with Dead Space whenever it came down to Dead Space 3. Now, I know a lot of people really like that game, but, you know, it just, Dead Space 3 didn't seem the same to me. Uh, and that's just my opinion and my perspective on it. Um, but, I mean, they, like I said, to get back to it, they, they've shut down all kinds of studios. You know, Max's hit uh, was, Max's Studios was huge. They made Sim Cities. Uh, it was, you know, founded in, in 87 Max's hit, uh, hit it big with the Sims. Um, and it, it became their bestseller following the failure of 2008 spore. Max's hit, uh, was on thin ice. Their main studio shut down in 2015. Uh, and the remnants of that team was brought over to EA mobile. So like they couldn't have just looked into the issue. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They could have just looked into the issue and been like, huh? Hmm. Um, maybe it's what we're feeding them. Maybe we need to let them push things more. I'm going to tell you one of the biggest things, one of the biggest things and one of the biggest disappointments to me, um, as, uh, a, 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 a like a, an OG EA fan was the treatment of the Medal of Honor series. So like DreamWorks SKG was started in uh was started in 1995 dreamworks interactive would become known for its popular medal of honor series they merged with ea in 2000 and renamed the studio ea los angeles with poor performances of medal of honor warfire uh warfighter the newly dubbed Danger Close Games future was pretty much sealed. They were rebranded re as Dice Los Angeles in 2013. So it's not the fact that them just getting rid of people. It's them 
they were pushing too much stuff, okay, for the longest time. And they pushed and pushed and pushed Medal of Honor to step away from its roots and get into this different perspective on things. And I can admit 100% Warfighter was not a good game. But, I mean, look at Call of Duty. And when you compare Activision's mindset with Call of Duty and EA's mindset with Medal of Honor, especially if you look at the last games that were released, okay? So look at Call of Duty in 2012. Let's see what that is real quick. Because I'm going to tell you right now, (laughs) yeah, Call of Duty in 2012, it was Black Ops 2. You know what I'm saying? And you have to think. Black Ops 2 going against Medal of Honor uh, Warfighter, which I, you know, it's weird. It's Medal of Honor Warfighter was was a good game. Uh, the, The basis of the game was a good game. But the problem is, is that it launched and it did have a ton of issues. It had glitches, it had this, it had that had all kinds of problems with it so um you know a lot of a lot of people also started stepping away from the medal of honor series to play more battlefield so eventually ea was just like listen it's just a lost cause we got you know two first person war games and stuff like that right now you know medal of honor is not doing good let's just shut it down you know and dude medal of honor Frontlines will go down no if ands or buts is one of the best Medal of Honor games of all all time. No question. Um, and I think personally, uh, one of the best one of the best war games to ever release. Um, now there was Medal of Honor Airborne um, that came out as well, but what I'm trying to get across is that EA sometimes bites off more than what they can chew. And instead of you know admitting that admitting their faults or admitting that maybe you know we were too ambitious with this idea, maybe we did this or this, and we're going to try to step back and do something different with the studio, or whatever else, they have a tendency of just being like, okay, well let's just cut our losses. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want that to happen with Skate. You know, I I, I really don't because uh, I hold the the Skate series real near and dear to my heart, like. It really, really changed my perspective whenever it came down to, when it came down to, you know, (laughs) skating games. Like, I was a big, diehard Tony Hawk fan, and then when Skate came out, I was like, holy crap. Like, you actually have to really try in this game. You know, in Tony Hawk, you just try to time it the best way that you can, but in Skate, Skate is what you know, kind of put the nail in the coffin whenever it came down to the popularity of, of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater series. So, I don't know. I just really don't want them to push and push and push and, and make these big conceptualized ideas and stuff like that, and then eventually just get treated the same way that some of these other games that we have seen before in the past get treated, to where it's, oh, well, you know, it's going to be a live service game, we're doing this, we're doing that, it's going to be awesome, and then, boom, you know, the the success is just really not there. And they're just like, well, we're just going to shut it down. You know, shut it down, shut it all down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's just, I don't know, that's just me. 
Um, but now, speaking of something new and speaking of something exciting, we have finally got a release date for Bayonetta 3. Bayonetta 3 uh, is coming in October. It's coming October 28th, right around ha Halloween. Um, so be very excited. The newest gameplay trailer uh, came out, and the game looks really fun. Um, Bayonetta 3 will be a Switch exclusive. So um, if you are wanting to play this game and you've played previous Bayonetta titles, you don't have a Switch, you better go find one. Um, now, we have been waiting for this game for, for some time, but I do have to say, usually any title that Platinum Games puts out is always over the top, super crazy, very fun, heavy, heavy action. And, you know, I feel that uh, Bayonetta 3 is going to be right up that same exact alley. Um, and it's going to have a lot of really fun action, a lot of really great uh, perspectives of the game uh, that we haven't seen previously. Uh, but this is the third installment, and it's really uh, nuts. Just as Jordan said in his article, it's crazy to think that Bayonetta was announced, Bayonetta 3 was announced back in 2017. Um, so this game has been pushed off, um, or has been, you know, constantly in the works for, you know, four years now. Uh, I mean, five years now. So, um, I can only hope that when this game does come out, it is really, really great. It says a special standalone physical edition of the games, uh, of the game's remaster will arrive on, uh, September 30th. So, uh, didn't know that. Um, which is exciting. So uh, I will definitely probably be checking that out as well. It's been a really long time since I've actually played some of the Bayonetta titles. The last really big Platinum Games title that I played and that I just was, you know, freaking in love with was, of course, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. So come on. It's it's just one-of-a-kind one type games. So... Um, Moving on from that, big, big news right here for PlayStation users. Very, very exciting news. PlayStation's acquisition of Bungie is now official, is now complete. Says Sony's $3.6 billion purchase of former Microsoft Studio developer Bungie is officially complete after a six-month wait. Renowned game company Bungie is now officially part of the PlayStation family thanks to the multi-billion dollar buyout by Sony. Although Bungie will be under the PlayStation umbrella, Bungie's games will continue to span multi-platforms, uh, multiple platforms while applying its expertise to future PlayStation products. Uh, Bungie has... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Sony Interactive announced its $3.6 billion bid uh, to purchase Bungie back in... Uh, January of 2022 it says the games industry appears to be shifting due to the series of, of major acquisitions by Sony and Microsoft. Microsoft has recently completed their acquisition of uh, Activision Blizzard, publisher of World of Warcraft uh, and many other games. Microsoft also purchased Zenimax Studios, which we know. Um, Although Bungie is now a subsidiary of Sony, Bungie appears determined to remain independent and intends to use this as an opportunity to reach more of the PlayStation audience. Future Bungie games will 
most likely still be accessible to PlayStation uh, or to Xbox players. Uh, so longtime Bungie fans shouldn't have much to worry about. Now, this is what I'm thinking they're going to do with Bungie. I think that uh, they're going to kind of do the same exact thing that Microsoft is going to do with some of these other studios. There will be like a main chunk of games that Bungie does and like pretty much all the games that Bungie does uh, or releases, uh, if it's a live service game or anything like that, they're going to release these games and, uh, you know, of course, still keep them on the multi uh, multiple platforms like, you know, PC and Xbox and PlayStation. But I do feel that eventually there might be some either exclusive content or um, or that there will be a, an exclusive Bungie title that will come to PlayStation. Uh, and I would expect this from Microsoft as well. You know, uh, I would expect, you know, because you got to think like Starfield is coming out to Xbox. It's going to be exclusive, you know, so. Um, you know, whatever is in the future, like the Indiana Jones title, you know, I, I would be shocked if that came to anything else but Xbox and PC, you know, and that's how it needs to be. That's really, honestly, this is just my perspective on it. Like, you know, these companies are going out and spending the money that they're spending to get exclusive titles on their console. So why would they, why would they just be like, oh, well, we don't want to. You know, we don't want to alienate fans. Of course they don't want to alienate fans. But at the same time, dude, you're spending billions upon billions of dollars to acquire these studios. So why would you not, you know, why would you not just say, hey, listen, we're, you know, Bungie has worked on some great stuff or, you know, uh, Bethesda and, and Activision worked on some great stuff. But this game from them and this game from them and this game from them is going to be exclusive. And if you want to play it, you have to have our console. I mean, it's just... It's just common sense, dude, honestly. So, like I said, it is it is exciting news. I do hope that this is only onward and upward for Bungie. I hope that we see um, uh, an extreme growth of the studio, which is already, you know, Destiny has grown into such a huge game for, for Bungie. And I can only hope that this just means, you know, more and more content coming and maybe eventually we'll end up seeing um bungie move into something different outside of live service games and uh kind of get back into that perspective of like single player aspects i would love to see some some new single player games from bungie but that's just me i don't know and speaking of single player games that could possibly be, be coming out and about um <laughs> Assassin's Creed could finally be going to one of the most anticipated historical settings at, of all time. Fans have been chomping at the bit and wanting this forever. But I don't know. So Assassin's Creed Infinity, or whatever, whatever this game is going to be, uh, is what is coming up next um, for the Assassin's Creed series. Now, this is just a rumor, but it says rumor comes from Jeff Grubb, uh, a known uh, games journalist who runs a podcast titled Jeff Grubb's Game Mess. During the most recent episode, Grubb discussed the future of Assassin's Creed, mentioning both Assassin's Creed Rift and Infinity, the latter being a live service title, which would feature multiplayer settings uh, uh, multiple settings, and I'm sorry, I said multiplayer, multiple settings in one game, 
But then it says, according to Grub, the plan for Assassin's Creed is that after Infinity launches, the next game for the franchise will be set in Japan. Grub's co-host, Mike, added that according to recent posts, a Japanese settings for the Assassin's Creed uh, title could actually appear within Infinity rather than being set after it. Um, so they uh, it said they argued that it would make sense for Ubisoft to launch Assassin's Creed Infinity with one of the most requested settings in uh, in order to boost sales, even if Infinity were to include a Japanese historical location. It could be years before fans see this, though. So, this is something that Bolts has wanted for a really long time. Something that I've wanted for a really long time. I do have to say Bolts hasn't been able to experience it yet, but I feel like I somewhat got my version of Assassin's Creed Feudal Japan or whatever with Ghost of Toshima. Ghost of Toshima really felt like uh, the you know, Assassin's Creed, uh, you know, feudal Japan game I had always wanted. Now, there is um, talks. It says, however, it seems, uh, despite fans asking for an Assassin's Creed game to be set in the Aztec civilization for some time, the series may not be heading that way. Um, but with that said, there was a really, really awesome unreal engine 5 demo uh for an, a japanese assassin's creed title now this was just like done by uh, by a fan and uh, you know i thought it was really cool they sh you know there was some of the some assassin's creed theme music and stuff like that and it was it was awesome but you know this is just a rumor with that said i would like to state that i feel that if uh assassin's creed moved in that perspective that it could be really great for the series. Um, especially with the new perspective and the new take on the Assassin's Creed series, because Assassin's Creed has moved into... Uh, Assassin's Creed has moved away from, I feel, the original style of Assassin's Creed games more into a, hey, you can be part of the Creed, but you can also just be a total badass and go do whatever you want to. That's pretty much what the new games series has kind of led led gamers down that path with Origins, with Valhalla, with uh, Odyssey. You know, these games, you know, it, it has the order and it has the hidden ones and it has all this other stuff and the Creed and whatever. Uh, it's got the Apple Eden. It's got all those perspectives uh, in these games, but at the same time, it's not something that you really have to focus on. You, if you want to, you can just build your character up into a complete badass and do all this stuff and then be like, okay, well, now I'll do some of these missions. Um, you know, now I'll, I'll, I'll spend more time in, in this, in the, you know, I guess Creed side of things or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I don't really know. Like it is exciting, but I'm not going to get overly excited about it. Um, because there has been times that I have been really overly excited about certain perspectives of the Assassin's Creed series and I've been let down, you know, with, um, with, you know, the death of Desmond Miles, I will constantly bring this up as long as the series is around, you know, the way that he was pushed as the heavy protagonist. And then eventually we just ended up getting a different protagonist, you know, that is going through the animus and controlling and whatever. I just, I was really blown away. I really thought that the Assassin's Creed series was moving eventually into like a modernized 
version of Assassin's Creed. I would love, 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 love to have a modern set now Assassin's Creed title, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't know. That's just that's just me, but I would really, really be shocked if that ever happened. Uh, you know, but I don't know, man. I think. I think it's a I think it's a cool concept, uh, Infinity and whatever. But just like I said earlier, man, I'm I've really 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 been back into really been kind of back into single player games a lot more than the multiplayer games. Now, I play Fortnite uh, because I like the the skins and whatever they have, and the events are pretty cool. But outside of that, most of the times I'm just playing single player games, man. So. Um, so lastly, um, for this solo cast, we're talking about Sony, uh, Sony's new announcement. Sony has announced, uh, the free PlayStation stars loyalty program. So with this loyalty program, it says in the announcement on PlayStation blog, Sony unveiled the PlayStation stars, a free loyalty and reward program that launches later in 2022. After becoming a member, players can complete activities and campaigns which reward points. Uh, the challenges themselves will range in uh, difficulty like monthly check-in that requires players to play any game uh, to more complex versions uh, which require players to earn specific PlayStation trophies, participate in winning tournaments, or be the first player in a time zone to earn a platinum trophy for major titles, so on and so forth. It says once earned, players can spend points in reward categories that Sony has con- uh, has confirmed will feature a host of items from PlayStation Network funds, select PlayStation Store products, and more uh, unique rewards. In fact, PlayStation Plus members earn an additional benefit, which earns points when uh, when purchasing items in the PlayStation Store. The last piece of PlayStation Stars is the concept of digital collectibles. According to the blog. These are rewards that are digitally or, or that are digital representations of things like figures of iconic PlayStation characters from devices uh, and devices from Sony's history of innovation. The blog did not get into specifics, but it did confirm that there will always be a new collectible to earn, uh, including ultra rare versions. Um, so it says, while uh, the news should please PlayStation fans, it aligns well with Microsoft's reward system. Members can also take part in uh, all sorts of activities and challenges. Um, and similar to Sony, Xbox users uh, can also spread accumulated points uh, onto a variety of things like store credits, raffles, and so so much more. So um, it just seems like Sony is kind of getting with the time in that perspective. You know, it seems like they've seen what their competition can do uh, and they've seen what they offer. And, uh, you know, a PlayStation Star system is just a way of really kind of paying back to the fans. Like, hey, you spend money with us. We're going to show you rewards. Hey, you go out and you get this ultra rare trophy. We're going to show you some type of appreciation. Now, I do think it's going to be cool to give fans also the perspective of like getting a digital collectible and stuff. Um, But, you know, old, old, you know, PlayStation mindset coming out, it would have been even better if a service like PlayStation Home was still around and you had those collectibles. You'd be able to feature them in your house and all this other stuff. I was a really big PlayStation Home fan. I, you know, I played it a lot. Anytime there was like trailer events and all that other stuff, I would go to the theater and watch it, or I would buy, you know, 
I would buy the homes that they had. I spent a lot of money in PlayStation Home. Let's just say that. Since this episode has really kind of been talking about live service games, let's get down into the nitty gritty, okay? I played PlayStation Home probably way too much. Um, I really liked PlayStation Home. I thought it was um, I thought it was really cool. And I don't know, bro. I just I was a really big PlayStation Home fan. Um, and there's a lot of friends that I've met through PlayStation Home. Um, actually, one of my good friends that is, you know, fairly successful on YouTube now, his name is Mystic. Um, we used to work on a website together, and a lot of our meetings and all that other stuff with with um, Brad and all this stuff would be in PlayStation Home. You know, that's like that's it was like a really cool way of having like that whole afterlife, you know, perspective um, or life plus perspective or whatever in the game. I just I don't know, man. I really liked it. I really liked the fact that you could just log into PlayStation Home. You could buy these really cool venues that were like apartments or like themed apartments and stuff. And, you know, depending on like, dude, I, I'm telling you, if they dropped a new apartment, I'd be like one of the first people to go and buy it. Like, especially if it was a themed apartment around, um, <laughs> around, you know, a certain game or something like that. I really loved it. And, you know, going to different things like, uh, you know, the bowling alley or, some of the arcades or stuff, or being able to like load in and show people your apartments. And then from that area, you could literally, uh, you could literally like load up with them. Eventually it, it got to that point where you can load up with them into a game and a multiplayer game. I can't tell you how many games of Warhawk that I would used to jump into with friends. It was at that time, let's say this Warhawk online uh, was a really, really fun game. And uh, I think a lot of people didn't really give it the chance it deserved. It was a really, really fun game. I, I can't remember exactly how many players it had, but, dude, jumping in and out of, like, you know, third-person gameplay and then getting into the tanks, getting into the Warhawks, it was a really fun game. I really, really enjoyed Warhawk, but... Also having that, um, having that perspective in like PlayStation Home, you would go to like the Warhawk Hub, um, like the Command Center. That's what it was called. You go to the Warhawk Command Center, and then you could you could launch into games and stuff. And it was so freaking cool, man! It was so freaking cool. But to get back into what I was saying, to not stretch out into this giant gush over how amazing PlayStation Home was, it would be great if you did have that perspective to earn digital collectibles with PlayStation Stars and then feature them in a mode of, you know, like, you know, a, a, a newer version of PlayStation Home. That's just, that's just me. But um, I don't know. Uh, I think the PlayStation Star system is going to work out really well. And I think a lot of fans are really going to enjoy it. There's probably going to be some people probably even like my wife, you know, that <clears throat> when they realize that they'll be able to use the PlayStation star system to their advantage and like earn certain trophies and gain, gain certain rewards or get PlayStation network currency or whatever else that they're really going to be like, okay, well now I even have a bigger incentive of getting this extra trophy or platinuming this game or whatever. So anyways, guys, 
This has been the the second opinion uh, solo cast episode three forty. Uh, check back very soon for another episode with bolts uh, to where we're gonna kind of get into some, some topics and and maybe do some arguing. I don't know. That's just uh, that's just me. Peace. Was that fun? Yeah. That was fun. This was another opinionated episode of the Second Opinion Podcast. Check out the podcast on Anchor FM, Spotify, iTunes, and Cinelinks.com. Also, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Second Opinion Podcast, for tons of gaming content coming soon.